0: You guys ready? Yeah. So here's, here's what I w- want to chat through in this, in this series together. It's uh, a series that we entitled Somebody's Somebody. And, and here's the premise. Here's the thought. The thought is this, that everybody needs somebody, I'm going to read you a passage of scripture that you are probably, if you've grown up in church, you're one of them, you know, you've been around the the, the word of God at all. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture that I'm sure you've heard. It's a familiar passage of scripture. But what I want to do today is do my best to, to take you behind the scenes as best I can to help you understand what Jesus is actually confronting with this passage of Scripture. Because I think sometimes we read this and we pull out some some, uh, points for our life, we pull out some practical things that we can live in, but but what I want to show you is the practicality that Jesus was trying to point to in this, what he was confronting inside you and I. That'll change everything if we let God have his way with us, okay? So here's the passage of Scripture. It's known as... It's known as the parable or the story of the Good Samaritan. And so here's, here's what we read. I want you to see this. Luke chapter 10. It says, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test and said, teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you should love your neighbor as yourself, the lawyer says to Jesus. Now, watch what Jesus said. Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Ding. You got it. That's, that's the right answer. Do this, and you will live. Now, now watch this, because we're going to hang on this a little bit. But he, desiring to justify himself. Hmm, that's interesting. What was he trying to justify himself of? What, what was going on? What, why, why did he have to justify, him, justify himself? He, trying to justify himself, he says this. Well, well who's my neighbor? Who, who's my neighbor? I, I, know, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but I mean, come on, let's get real. Like, who is my neighbor? Who, is that everyone like me? Is that, is that, I mean, come on, Jesus, I mean, really? Who's my neighbor? And so Jesus then, based on that question and that man trying to justify himself, tells this story. Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him for dead. He goes on to say, that a, by chance a priest came down the road and, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I think it's so funny. You see the priest, you're like, oh, we're in luck, there's a priest. You know These, these are the people that do things like this. They help people, right? The, the, the pastor's here, everybody. We're gonna be good, right? Everything's good. But no, the, the pastor sees him and passes by on the other side. Well, likewise a Levite, the, the assistant pastor, comes by. Oh, we gotta stay there. Levite comes by. And it says, when he saw him in that place, he passed by on the other side. Well, the pastor's not doing it. The, the assistant pastor's not doing it. And, and if, you're, if you're a Jew listening to this story, you're going, he's, he's talking to you. He's like, you're the ones that, that passed by on the other side. This, this, is, this is how you're behaving, even in just asking me the question, who is my neighbor? I, I, I could tell that you're one of these, Jesus is pointing at. Jesus wanted that man to see himself in, in those guys. But then he says, a by chance, there's a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan, that I mean Samaritans like in their mind, Samaritans were well Samaritans were half breeds. They were Jew and, uh, and and those from the area of Samaria, they made Samaritans and, and these these Samaritans were those who would I mean they can never really fully understand the heart of God. They they really couldn't carry God's heart or do God's work, you know, Samaritans. I mean they, they they're not they're not holy like us, us Jews. They're not holy like they, they don't they don't really know God's word like we we know God's word but it says that this Samaritan who you just wouldn't expect this from as he journeyed he came to where he was and when he saw him he had compassion he had compassion someone say compassion he had compassion and he went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine his own oil and wine set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. And Jesus then says this, which of these three do you think, or do you you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? And the lawyer said, well, The one who showed him mercy, mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go then and do likewise. You know, most everybody can point to somebody. There's there's people along our path in life that have helped us along the way. Matter of fact, there's, there's, there's nothing you accomplish in life without the help of a little somebody in your life. I mean, go all the way back. I mean, like, you, you don't learn to walk without a little help. Some say help. help. Like, you need help. You, you don't walk without a little help. You, you don't learn to, 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 to read without a little help, right? You don't learn to write without a little. Help. Talk without a little. Help. We all need some. Help. Right. And as we grow from childhood, we, we move on, and all of a sudden there becomes all these new challenges. There, there's all these new opportunities there's all these and 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 if we're going to overcome the challenges if we're going to step into the new opportunities we're all going to need a little help 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 and so as we look at the challenges that we have overcome or the opportunities that we stepped into you're going to see in your life as you look back you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna see people who were there at those times to help you maybe maybe it was a a parent mom or dad, maybe it was a a teacher, it was a coach in your life, maybe it it was a friend, it was somebody that came alongside you to give you the help you needed to either overcome the obstacles, step in the new opportunity. You see, God sends some help. And everything in life works that way. Matter of fact, the kingdom of God works that way. I mean, think about this for a second. Most people who have a relationship with God can point to somebody, or sometimes, usually it's somebodies, right, who helped them along the way. Matter of fact, if you're sitting in here right now, okay, whether you believe in God or not, if you're in the room right now, my, my, my uh, hunch is that there was somebody or somebodies that were a part of getting you in the room right now. There are somebody or somebodies that were a part of your story and how you came to know God and, and how you've come to trust God and walk with God or maybe just even try this thing out for the very first time. There, there was somebody or somebodies, maybe it was the, maybe it was the, the person at, at work that just, you know, the darn Christians. I always know, I, you, you always know when, when God is hunting you down because he starts putting all these Christians like, and they're inviting you to church and then, and then you're like, I'm not going to church. I'd never go to church and then, and then you're, you're, you're somewhere else and somebody else, they're inviting you to church And you're like, why is everyone invite me to church? And then you turn on the radio, and it's like K Wave, or it's some Christian. You're like, why is all this? God is haunting, he's hunting you down. And how's he hunting you down? He sends people. He sends people. Come on, remember the people in your life, just recently maybe, or go back in your mind when you first started walking with the Lord. Who was it in your life that God used? So for some of you, it's that neighbor, it's that parent. Maybe it's a grandparent that's just been praying and praying. And praying, and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying. Some of you just keep running and running. My grandma's just praying. And then you show up to church. And then there's some more somebodies. You know, there's that really nice lady over at the connect tent. Happens to be my mom. And she is so mad that I just told you that right now. She's so mad at me. But come on, a lot of it. I've heard the story over and over again. I came to citizens, you know, and this and that. I met some people, and then there's this person at Connect Tent. They sat and they taught. They, they just, they, they, they seemed to really care. And they, they say, I see you next week. But it just, it made a big difference. So there was somebody there. You see, maybe it was a, maybe it was a a, a a kid's, someone worked in our kid's team that just went out of their way to love on your kids because you've taken them other places. And, and and you know, we just kind of, like, bring them in. And herd hurt them like cattle, you know. But all of a sudden, you come to citizens. That person bent down. Hey, what's up, kid? Knuckles and high five and love. Him. And he went, wow. There was somebody. You see, there, there was some buddies that were, that were a part of your, of your story. Maybe, maybe it's that host online right now. Come on, it's loving on you. So many of you join us online. And you're building relationships. We're seeing that every week. People giving their life to Christ online. And they're gonna go, it was that somebody. It was that, that person, that host. It was that, you see what I'm saying? Who are the someones or the somebodies in your story? You know, no, for, you know for me, I got a whole lot of somebodies. Like, God, God had to send me a whole crew of people. He was like, all right, it's, good. it's gonna be a long work. And it started with my parents. Like, I am grateful to God that I have two godly parents that loved me and pointed me toward Jesus. I realize not everybody has that, but I had two somebodies in my home that were somebody to me, okay? My, my dad, from, from early on, my father, whenever I asked him a question, would say, go get me my Bible. I don't care what I asked him. I ask him anything. He said, go get, go get my Bible. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'd go bring him the Bible. And sure enough, he would never answer me without answering me from God's word. There would be some proverb or some. some a matter, a matter of fact, I knew that my dad loved God's word so much that one of the first things I, I, I remember being on vacation and, and 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 memorizing one of the whole chapters of proverbs, uh, in order to impress my father. Like I knew it would impress my dad. I remember every single morning waking up and my dad would have his Bible open. Before I could even learn to read, I remember my dad had his Bible open next to an empty cup of coffee every single morning in my life. So before I even knew what was in that book, I knew that that book was important. I knew that there was something about that book and I fell in love with God's word because my, my dad taught me to love God's, God's word. My, my mom, can I tell you, like, I'm so grateful for my mom. God, God put her in my life because whenever, I'm, I'm going to encourage some of you moms, listen to me, I pushed back on my mom so hard. What are you doing all of my life? Why don't you just leave me alone? Let me just live. Why don't, I was that kid. I remember the, the principal called my mom into a meeting one day, said, one day and said, your son has his toe over the line. And little did that principal or my mom know, it wasn't just my toe over the line. I was was pushing her, and my mom just said, I don't care how hard you push on me, I'm going to push right back. I'm going to be in your life, I'm going to be in your life, I'm going to be in your life. So much so, I mean, my mom's reading through my journal, she's reading through my, she's all up in everything. We didn't have Instagram or text messaging and all that back then, but if... We did. She'd have access and passwords and everything else. she know what I'm texting to. I'm just telling you, she stayed in my life. And I'm talking, I'm 15, 16, 17 years old, pushing back. And she said, you're not going to push back for me. Her love was consistent and relentless, and she didn't stop. Moms, listen to me. Dads, don't you dare stop. You keep pushing. You keep fighting. It's worth the fight. You got to be that somebody to your somebodies. You push in, and I'm grateful for that. Man, I got just long stories, stories. Lists of people, 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 in my life, my mom, my dad. I, I mean, I, I, I would, I, I, Chris Biffle, a philosophy teacher at Crafton, and who the whole year didn't tell us that he was a believer until the end. And here I am, just wrestling back and forth and where I'm at with with God. And I took philosophy because I, I love, I love philosophy. I love to think. I love to, I love to just philosophize, right? And I and we do this whole class and and. He had this really special way of teaching that I still use today. You know when I always say, tell your neighbor what I just told you? Or somebody say, amen. Hey, I it all comes from Biffle. It's all just influenced my life. And at the end of, his, end, of his, uh, end of the year, he goes, hey, I told you what Socrates believes. I told you what Plato believes. I told, I'm gonna say what I believe. And he argued the case for Christ in class. Changed my life. I, 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 I'm thankful God sent Autumn Ashworth, friend of my sisters, who invited my sister to church. And then my, my sister invited me to church. When I showed up to church, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm so grateful for Jim Shearer, my youth pastor, who, while I think I was pushing on my mom, I'm gonna check, put me in a church. But Jim Shearer wouldn't give up on me. He, he cared for me, put an arm around me. He sent, this, he sent one of the interns, Armando Garcia, to, to take me out to lunch. I went to, I went to church about four times to youth group, and I said, this, ah, they don't really care about me. They care about each other, they don't care about me. I bailed. I was gone for two weeks. Third week, I get a call from Armando Garcia. Armando Garcia said, Where you been? I said, oh, you know. And he said, well, I know what you're doing. This. Way. You want to go to lunch? Uh, really? Yeah, let's go to lunch. Mom, remember those church people? They want to take me to lunch. My mom's like, well, if they're going to take you to lunch, we better go check out this church. So we had to go on Sunday because my mom didn't want some crazy people taking her son out to lunch. But that changed everything. Because we went that Sunday, then we went the next Sunday, we went the next Sunday, and all of a sudden, my dad's in the band playing worship, and I'm on the thing, and they're discipling me, and I don't even know if I believe in any of this yet. But you see, Armando kept loving on me, and Jim Shear, once I g- gave my life to Christ, he started discipling me, put his arm around me, like, gave me opportunity. He, he, he just, he taught me. He, he taught me how to teach. I'm up there fumbling all over myself. He goes, try it again. Try it like this. He encouraged me to go to Calvary Chapel Bible College, right? Where, where I got my degree in theology, and... and, and I just story after story of, of the somebodies. Guys, come on, I'm just I could go on and on and on. I go and I sort of in part of the church in Orange County and then and and and, and I'm feeling a stirring in my heart and, and then God sent more somebodies. He sent Carrie Robinson. He said, Chris, I, I I I've been praying for you. I, I don't think you can be here long. And I said, I think you want my facility. And he said, No, I, I think God's got more. I'm gonna pray and fast with you. And Carrie Robinson prayed fast with me. They're the first people that sowed a check into this church because they cared. Like, and then and then I had Casey Kendall and Lisa, I remember them sitting and going, go for it. Dustin Battala, who's in this church, I don't know if he's here first service, He'd probably second. Dustin Battala, it was on my board in Orange County. And I, I went to the board after I said I was gonna leave and go plant, which was crazy, because I mean, we had millions of dollars in savings, we had a multi-million dollar campus, we had all this going on. And, and I said, I feel like I'm gonna go plant. And then the next week, I went to the board and said, I think I'm crazy. Actually, never mind. Everything I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, Tate and I are, and, and listen, I'm in my backyard, like, Tate and I are, like, she's crying, and I'm going, God, dude, are we making the right decision? And I get a, I get a, a knock at my door, and it's Dustin Batali who goes in the back. He said, God God, God sent me here today, and I want to tell you, you need to go. You need to go. One of my board members that I've been friends with forever. I was his youth pastor. And God sent him at that moment, that time. to put. I mean, do you guys see, do you see? God sends somebody he sends somebody. We went to plant and, and, and we planted the church and it just started growing. I don't know what And God sent a, a man by the name of Greg Surratt. Pastors of an amazing church, Seacoast Church back, back east. One of the first multi-site church churches around. He invited me out to go fishing with him six weeks after we planted. And he became a Father figured to me in the face, faith, a, a, a pastor, and he introduced me to Pastor Chris Hodges and, and Lane Schrantz and all these people that now just keep pouring into me. And, and along my story, it's just people, 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 You see, it's somebody. God, God sends somebody. And you guys, it's, it's how life works. It's how, it's how the kingdom works. It's how God has intended all of this to work. It's been his plan all along. That whenever there is someone, someone far from God, someone lost, someone in need, someone, someone he wants to reach, someone he wants to help, someone he wants to disciple, someone he wants to encourage. Whenever there is somebody, he sends somebody. It's how God does this. I mean, we go on and on. And, and I'll do it one more time. Think about King David. You're like, oh, King David did all sorts of incredible things, right? But now think about all the somebodies who are willing to be somebody for King David. Like you got Samuel, who saw in David something that no one else saw. We all need some friends like that. You got Jonathan, who sacrificed his own power and authority to promote and protect and care for David. You got his motley crew of men who were like, we'll risk our lives for you, David. You got Nathan. Think about Nathan's role in David's life. Nathan is the one who is willing to confront David in his sin with Bathsheba. Imagine that being your job. Nathan, needs you to go tell David what he, you know. No one else knows. God knows and told Nathan. And then Nathan's got to confront David. And, and he was the one that went in to confront David. And so you look at David's life, but what you need to think of when you think of David's life is not just that someone, but all the someones who were in his life that God used to, to come around him. Friends, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. David would never be somebody without God sending somebody. Now, listen, church, I need you to know that God sees somebody. God sees somebody. God sees somebody in your world. God sees somebody in your school. He sees somebody at your work. He sees somebody in your neighborhood. He sees somebody at your Starbucks. He sees somebody at your staters. He sees somebody that far from God, someone need to be reached, someone need to be touched, someone, someone needs some help. God, God sees somebody. And the question to the church is, would we be willing to be the somebodies who go after the somebodies? See, would we be willing, church? And I thank you, God, that I'm in a church that's willing. Church that's willing to, hey, I'm going to step in and hear the story. I'm going to step in and spend the time. I'm going to show up. I'm going to listen. I'm going to invest. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to bring grace when someone needs grace. I'm grateful I'm in a church that's going to bring truth when someone needs truth. Like God, we're willing, come on, church, aren't we? To be the somebodies that reach the somebodies that God has his eye on. Because everybody needs somebody. And if you're in this with me, come on, let's tell God that we're willing. Amen? God, we're willing to be the somebodies. First John 3.16 says this. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives. For our brothers and sisters. Jesus did it for us. And now he's saying you need to do it for others. That's his plan. That's his plan. Why am I where I am? You are. Look at me right now, Christian. You are where you are. Because wherever you are, God wants to meet you where you are and work with you. Work through you where you are. He wants to meet with you where you are and work through you where you are, wherever you find yourself. Here's what God's doing right now. He's going to meet you there, and he's going to work through you there because there is somebody. There's somebody, you see? That's his plan. Tell your neighbor, say, that's his plan. That's his plan. Tell him. Come on, tell him. Tell your neighbor, that's his plan. That's his plan. But now, how many of you know that working against God's plan is a whole nother plan? Right? Like you got God's plan and then you got the enemy's plan. And you've got, you got the plan of the enemy and the pull of our flesh. Remember the flesh. The flesh is the you before God got a hold of you, you, okay? There's the, there's the plan of the enemy and there's this pull of the flesh. And that plan, that plan is to get you to focus on you. That plan is to convince you that it's all about you. That plan is to lull the church to sleep. Take all the influence that is in you, that is in the church. All, do you know what God can do if, if this room just got cut loose to go love on somebody? To go be somebody to all the somebodies in this world? Do you know, how? Do you know you, we pray for revival, but you know what revival is? It's when we step into this and we learn to be the somebody's that God has called us to be to all the somebodies he's put in the world around us. See, and what the enemy does is he goes, no, 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 just shh. Just go to sleep. Just, 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 come on. Just. And there's a plan, this lull of our flesh To pull us toward ourselves. And that, that's what Jesus is confronting in this story. Isn't it? Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Like, tell me. You know, I'm one of these... He says he's a lawyer, so he's a teacher of the law. Like, he, he knows God's word. He, he, and, and so he's, he's going, I just want to confirm with you, Jesus, I got this all right. So what must we do to be saved? Jesus goes, well, you know what you're talking about, right? You tell me. He goes, well, we're supposed to love God, got it, and we're supposed to love others, got it. And Jesus goes, do you really got it? Do you really got it? He says, do this and you will live. And I think when Jesus said that, it was kind of like, are you doing this? And he knew, I'm not really doing this. It says, he said to justify himself, right? If we could bring it up. Jesus said, he says to the man, in order to justify himself, he said to Jesus, he goes, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, why is he asking Jesus that question? I'll tell you why he's asking that question. He's asking the question Because he's been making it all about himself. Because he's been making it about himself, listen, his religious world, instead of everybody who's been hurting in the world. Now listen, you gotta understand something about this time in history and the Jews that Jesus is talking to. See, the Jews were God's chosen people. They are God's chosen people. And God called them to live separate from the world so that they, they might bring hope and healing to the world. That, is, that was God's plan from the beginning. God said, I'm gonna bless you that you might be a blessing, okay? God was wanting to work in them and not just stop at them, but work through them to be a light to the world. Does that make sense, everybody? That was God's plan. So watch, they were called to be set apart from the world so that they might reach the world, so they can show the world God's heart and here's how we live and here's what it looks like to walk with God. But here's what happened is that the Jews, tell me if this ever happens in any churches across America, the Jews got so caught up in being separate, they got so caught up and, and, and hung up on, on being separate from the world that they forgot all about the world. They, they got so caught up on themselves and made it so much about themselves that they forgot that it was never meant to be about themselves. You see, they were filled with such a, a religious sense of pride that they actually began to push the world away. Matter of fact, they came up with little rules on how you actually engage with people in the world. How close you could be to a sinner, what you can actually say to a sinner, what you're supposed to do if you accidentally bump into a sinner, and, and all these things, because they were separate, they were separate, they were separate, but God's going, no, I didn't separate you just to be separate, I separated you so that you could then be a light. I separated you so that you could reach. I separated you so that you can help. I brought you up here so you could reach down there. You see, I, 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 I'm I doing this, but they were just so separate. You see, here's. Here's the poison, is they took something that was meant to be about everybody, and they made it all about themselves. You see, there's a gravitational pull, isn't there? Toward self, toward me, toward us, toward we, toward us for no more. Right? There's this gravitational pull towards self. So this, this religious sense of pride was so strong that in the book of Acts after Pentecost, most Jewish believers believe that God only offered salvation to the Jewish race. Do you know that? That once the Spirit of God showed up and the church was born, the Jews were like, this is for us, they had a really hard time sharing the gospel of Jesus with the Gentiles. So much so, do you remember that God said, Peter, you gotta go and share with the Gentiles, and he's like, God, no. And, and God gave him the dream of a, of a sheep coming down from heaven with all these unclean animals and Peter's like, oh no. God said, go, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, nope, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm so caught up in my religiosity that I have forgotten what my religiosity is actually all about. And I think if we're not careful, we do the same thing. We do it as a church. We're so busy doing churchy business that we forget what the churchy business is all about in the first place. It's that These somebodies, some of you look looking around and go, I I see a bunch of nobodies. Well, the Bible says that he chooses the foolish things of the world to profound the wise. And when a nobody is willing to go reach somebody, then that nobody becomes somebody that's in the middle of a story that God's telling of one life touching and changing another life and another life and another life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in the mix. And so Jesus says... Do this and you live. Well, Jesus would mean, come on, really, like, who's my neighbor? What Jesus is confronting in him is what he wants to confront in us. That's what the story is all about. You see, you and I have this condition, don't we? It, it's a condition that pulls towards self. Think about it. It's you know one of the strongest forces in, in, on the planet is gravity, and you can't escape gravity unless there's a force greater than gravity. That that pulls against it to pull against gravity. So like when a, when a rocket takes off, you have to have all of gravity is trying to pull it down, and and you have to have enough force to push it back, the force to, to push past the force of gravity that's trying to pull it down. So you see at, at liftoff this all this fuel and there's all this energy being expen, expended trying to get that rocket up off the ground and you need a force greater than the force of gravity. And you guys, it's the same in our life. There's this gravitational pull in every single one of you toward yourself to thinking about yourself, doing what you need to do for yourself. And and there has gotta be a force greater than the force of your condition to pull you past your condition. And so Jesus tells the story, and he says, well, one guy had the condition, the priest, he was stuck on himself. The Levite came by, he's still stuck on himself. But then a Samaritan came by and he had a force inside of him greater than the force of the gravitational pull toward himself. And what was that force? It says that that force is, was compassion. He saw him, it says, and had compassion on him. If we have it for the screen, if we could bring it up. It says he had compassion on him. And that compassion is what every single one of us need if we're going to pull past the force of gravity in our life. You see, com- compassion is, is meant to launch us past ourselves and out into the orbit of others. Compassion is meant to fight against the gravitational pull. And if we're ever gonna be somebody's somebody, if, if we're ever gonna be a part of the story that God wants to tell, if, you, if you're ever gonna see things changed in your family or in your, in your city or at your school, your, your place of employment, like if you're ever gonna be part of the story that God wants to tell through your life, then you've, we've got to learn Compassion We've got to do compassion. We, we've got to live lives of, of compassion, because if we don't, everything will always trend towards self. Your goals will focus on yourself, your energy will focus on self. Every, every conversation will be about self. You ever talk with people that ask you how you're doing, and you're like, "You don't actually care how I'm doing. You're asking me how I'm doing because you want me to ask you how you're doing. I can tell. I can tell. You see, because everything pulls toward, towards self. Like we become me monsters. You know, me, 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 me. Where do you wanna go to lunch? Me, 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 me. What do you wanna do? Me, 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 it's me. And if I don't get my way, I'm gonna get, come on. There's this thing inside of us. And compassion, compassion rises up against it and says, not in this house, not in this house. Like we will do compassion. And so Jesus tells the story to teach it. So what, 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 just a couple things. What do we need in order to be compassionate? I think when we first read the story, you hear about the, the, the priest, you hear about the Levite, you're like, oh, they're the bad guys. Almost like when they walk and you're like, dun, 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 the priest. Dun, 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 the Levite. They're the bad guys. Oh, good thing we're not the bad guys. Well, remember, Jesus telling the story because chances are, we are the bad guys. Jesus is telling the story because the gravitational pull of your life is toward the priest. It is toward the Levite. It, it's, it's toward the walk by on the other side. It's, it's toward, oh, not me. Jesus goes, I, I beg to differ. Like, if you're not actively trying to be compassionate, then chances are you are, by, by just default, Selfish. You're by default walking by on the other side. And, and I need you to see how this happened, you see, because you got to notice the breakdown. It says that um, after the priest saw the man, he passed by on the other side. After the Levite saw the man, he, he also passed by on the other side. And I want you to see the problem with, with their seeing the man. See, they saw the man, but they, never, they chose not to see the man. Let me say that again. They saw the man but they chose not to see the man. You see, he couldn't see the man, the priest. He couldn't see the man, the, the, the Levite couldn't. Why? Because all they could see was their own agenda. All they could see is, well, I, I gotta get to my place. I, I gotta go to my thing. I, I got people to meet. I got places to be. I, I, I can see my own agenda. I, all I can see is my, my own need, you see. I, I, I've got things I gotta, I gotta do, you see. I, I, I made plans. I can't break my plans. I can't break my plans. Can't break, I got a schedule. Now, all they could see, all they could see was themselves. He couldn't see the man because he couldn't see past himself. And I think if we're not careful, like, be honest. How many times do we find ourselves doing the same thing? How often do we go through a day without seeing people? I mean, we, we saw some people, but did we really see people? And if we're not careful, we, we walk through life having saw a bunch of people, but not actually having seen people. You see, and I, I just think we could fall into that. We're so focused on everything we got going that we choose to ignore everything that's actually going on. Now, now we've got to learn to ask. I've got to learn to ask myself, I'm growing in this with you. We're going to do it together, church. Yes. Like, I'm going to ask myself now, listen, not just, not just, what has God put in me on my path today or on my plate today? Like what's on my agenda today, but who? Not just what, but who has God put in my path? Look for the who and not just the what. Because if we're not actively looking for the who, if we're not actively pushing ourselves past ourselves, we're always gonna walk by on the other side never realizing that there is so much going on around you. There are people bleeding out, hurting, in need all around you. God put you there to meet the need, but you walked right by because you were so focused on. Come on, you with me, church? Yeah. And so we just gotta realize, man, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta be a person that has compassion. Compassion, compassion sees past me. Compassion sees past me. When you walk in a room, there, there's more going on than, than first meets the eye. I mean, do you ever stop to realize that there could be somebody, even even here right now in our midst, somebody here that's here going, you know what? I'm going to give this whole God thing, another, I'll give it another chance. Just one more chance. I'll show up. I'll show up. And they're here right now just going, this, this is it. Yeah. And you happen to be sitting in the same room. You happen to be sitting next to them. You, you're going to happen to be standing in the courtyard afterwards. And, you know, you, you, you might walk right on by without even realizing unless you stop to not just saw the man, but see the man and, and maybe dig in a little bit. I haven't met you yet. You get some questions and you see, do some life. There could be people in this room trying to prove themselves that no one in the church cares. There could be people in the room who, who are lonely. There could be people in the room fighting depression. People in the room who are contemplating suicide. There could, there could, there could be people in the room suffering deep heartbreak. And here we are, just busy, just busy, 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 I'm busy. I, I, got, I got something I got to go do, I got got place, I got I to I run, I got to, and we just got to be careful, see, what about when you leave this place today, because it's not just here, what about when you leave this place, and, and you show up to, to, you know, your Starbucks, you, in, in line, we're busy, we got to take my order, but, but there's also a, 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 somebody taking your order that, let's not just... Be someone who saw them, but we, we learn to see them. Does that make sense? I, like, there's more going on than meets the eye. Like, what are they thinking through? What are they wrestling with? What, the, the people now that I'm standing with in line, the, the people in, 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 my, in, in my neighborhood. Do you know most people, something like 85, 90% of people, drive into the driveway, open their garage, drive in and shut the garage door before they have to talk to anyone in their neighborhood. <laughs> but God put you in that neighborhood. And if we're not careful, you know, we read the story, oh, the priest, how dare he? The Levite, how dare he? And yet, here we are, just walking by, all sorts of people that are bleeding out on the side of the road. Or they're, they're hurt, and they're, 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 they're crying out, and God sent us, and yet, we were so consumed with ourselves that we couldn't even see the one in need. And friend, not on our watch. See, because we've got to learn compassion. Come on, it's that it's that force that moves us past our condition. Compassion, compassion. And compassion, it sees past me. Here's what compassion also does, is it feels for others. Compassion feels for others. When the Samaritan passed by, he not only saw the man, he was able to see the man, and guess what it says, is that he, he ran to him. Because he, 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 he took action. Why did he take action? Because when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Yeah. Uh, he had this sympathy. He, watch, he allowed himself to come in touch with the plot, the, the plight of the one that was hurting. Yeah. Hear me. He allowed himself to go, oh. And that, that compassion, that getting wrapped up and allowing myself to take it on, Come on, we often don't want to do that. It's too much work. It's too much work to take it on too. But allowing himself to take it on moved him to go help. He took it on. You see, and compassion doesn't just see past me. Compassion, it feels for others. Church, listen, we can't grow calloused. So the worship team comes up. We can't grow calloused. A lot of people allow their hearts to grow calloused because, I mean, let's face it. We want to kind of forget how to feel. We're being bombarded, aren't we, with so many... Images of hurt and so many images of pain. We're being bombarded with so many stories. We're watching everything happen in Israel right now. Watch everything happen in Palestine. We're watching everything happen in the Gaza Strip that's happening to all the Palestinians and all the stuff happening to the Jews. And and it just and you see so much of it, so much hurt that you you kind of get on sensory overload load and start to build these like calluses. Like it, you 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 see these, these what should be heart wrenching images, and it doesn't even move me anymore because I've just become so calloused. And and now watch what happens is I I take that callousness, and I, and I show up to, to work, and, and so-and-so's giving me an attitude today, and instead of me asking, why is she giving me an attitude, and I can't, and I, there's got to be something going on, because hurt, hurting people hurt people, and they're trying to hurt me, that means that they must be hurting, and, but instead of seeing that, I go, oh, callous, I, I, I don't want to feel it, I don't even want to know, because I'm already so bombarded by everything around me, and we put up these walls. And, and then watch this. We think we're strong because we're not gonna. This is the other part. Like we think we're strong because I'm not gonna let it bother me. I'm not, I'm not gonna let it bother me. I'm, I'm strong. Matter of fact, it's, it's wild. It, masculinity. Like a lot of men think masculinity is you don't let anything bother you. Like you just you just are calloused. Because Jesus is the epitome of masculinity, and it says he wept over Jerusalem. Like it, it hit him. He carried he carried uh, the the concern over, over Jerusalem. And that's Jesus. See, we're thinking we're strong when we don't let things bother us, but friends, it should bother you. Church, are you with me? Like, it should bother you. It, it, it should bother you. That on our watch, there's there's high schools all around us filled with students who are contemplating suicide and wrestling with depression. It, it should bother us that there's there's marriages that are on the brink of divorce and and walking through some very dark and hurting times in in their life. Like it, it should bother us that that coworker at work that's always been out of shape and seems to have something wrong. It should bother us that that that's that. There's obviously something more going on there. I mean, things just should bother us, and we got to let it kind of hit us. You know, I, I think we can't grow calloused. You know, you know, what I think I think we got to ask more questions. I think we got to hear more stories. Yeah, isn't it funny how you'll judge somebody or someone, you'll pin them, like, oh, I know, I know, they, I know these type, right? Come on, you've done it, and so. You have this way that you see somebody, a way that you judge somebody, and then you happen to hear their story. And that changes everything. Like I didn't know that was your story. I, I didn't know that you grew up in an abusive home, and I didn't know that you didn't have a, a father in it that, that loved you, I, I didn't know that, I didn't, I didn't know, I, 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 oh my gosh, oh, no wonder. You see, now all of a sudden, it changes everything. And church, listen, we need to slow ourselves down enough to actually hear the story. Yeah. So when somebody comes into your office and it's just all up in the arms, it, like, you sit there for a second, but look, at you tell yourself, I'm gonna get to the bottom of this because there's a story here and there's a story here and there's a story here. And I'm gonna be the one that walks in the room and knows the stories. I can tell you the story of everyone in the office. I can tell you the story of everyone in the... I can, tell, I can tell you the story. Why? Because I actually... I actually want to care for people. And if I'm going to care for people, I got to hear their story. And so church, I think we can't grow calloused. I think we got to hear more stories and ask more questions. And then remember this, everybody has a story. Everybody's fighting things in their life that you have no idea about. And they all have a story. And remember that, watch, God is the redeemer of stories. See, and, and he will use you and I to be a catalyst that promotes change in stories. If we're willing, come on, compassion. Compassion. Can't grow callous. we can't check out. I, I gotta hear more stories, I ask more questions. And I, I think we just need to be careful too, let me say this, to care for people. Be careful how we care for them. If you're gonna care for people, you gotta be careful with people. Okay? If we're gonna care for people, we gotta be careful with people. So, Jesus walked among hurting people, and, and there's a certain tenderness to him all the time. Do you ever see that in Jesus? Come on, like, there's a certain tenderness. Matter of fact, all through the book of Mark, it says that Jesus is taking people by the hand, just tender. He he The, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, when he speaks to her he, calls her, he calls her daughter. The woman who had the issue of blood and got healed, he calls her daughter. There's just this sweetness. I don't know the story of that, that woman. I, I don't know. Maybe she never have had anyone call her daughter. Jesus calls her daughter. Matter of fact, she was ridiculed by everyone around her, but Jesus brought her in. You see, there's this gentleness in Jesus. And friends, there needs to be this gentleness in us. How are you with people? Like, like, are you harsh or is there gentleness? Come on. Like, are, are you sarcastic? Are you always put it, pulling down? Or are you building up? You're caring, you see. Compassion. Compassion. Compassion sees past me. Compassion cares for others. It's careful with others. And here's the, other, the last thing. is it, compassion takes it on. I mean, you need to understand this. He, the... the, the Samaritan took it on, ran to him. How can I help? We're going to talk about that this next week. How can I help? Like I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it on. I'm going to take it on. And, and it's so important, friend, because the opportunities we have been given need to be seen as fleeting opportunities. Like they it's a window of opportunity. The thing with windows is they're open one minute and they can get closed the next. And you just don't ever know if the opportunity you have right now is going to be the only opportunity you get. So if you have an opportunity to be somebody to somebody, you gotta step into that moment. You gotta take it on because you just don't know. And you gotta realize that God puts you in that moment for a reason. He puts you at that workplace for a reason. He puts you at that school for a reason. You're in the family you're in for a reason. God's got you there because he wants to work in you and through you right there. And imagine If today we decided to be a people who actually practice compassion, a people who chose to see beyond ourselves, like imagine the opportunities that would present themselves, the impact that we would have. Come on, and we're going to be that church, amen? We're going to be those people. We're going to be the ones that say yes to the call of God and go, hey, I just want to be somebody that sees somebody. Your life, the picture of your life, It's never actually a picture of you at all. It's a picture of all the people that God used to touch through you and not actually a picture of you. So who are the people that God is touching through you? That's the picture of your life. Not a picture of you at all, but of all the people God used to touch through you. One after one after one. So let's open up our hearts, but let's also open up our eyes to everything God wants to do around us in this season. Good? Church, you with me? He had compassion. Compassion. And we will be a church who does compassion. Amen? God, we love you. We love you so much, and we thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, thank you, thank you that you have had compassion on us. And and Jesus, I just want to pray for for our church, God, for us, that God, open up our eyes. God, we got, I know we got so many things that we, so many of our own needs, so many things that we got to do. But God, you said that if we try to hold on to our lives, we're going to lose it. But if we lose our life for your sake, we will gain it. And so, God, you mean, yeah, we got some stuff. We, we got needs. But, but God, we are here committed to lose our lives for your sake, to pour out ourselves on behalf of those that you care for. And, God, I know. I just want to remind us, God, that, that as we pour out, you're there pouring in every step of the so God, for the hurting in this place, God, I know there are needs. We're saying, how can I go love on somebody when I've got my own things? God, I pray you would meet them, and you would send people to them. God, it's not—it's nothing wrong with crying out every now and then. I need help. I need to get whole and healthy before I could go and help others. But, but God, I pray that you would meet them quickly. You'd heal them, and, and God, you'd get them to start turning their eyes off themselves and onto the others, so that healing can take place in a deeper way inside their lives. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed right now, I just wonder if there happens to be anyone in this room right now that that just maybe you feel far from God. You you feel like you've made some decisions that have kind of taken you off the path that you know you should be walking. Well, I want to tell you, you're not here on accident. God loves you. He sees you. He cares for you. I know He calls us to go and care for others, but you know that we go care for others because He cares for us. We love others because He first loved us. He first loved us. He loves you the best thing you can do is get yourself under the flow of God's love for you and then let that spill out over your life but some of you just need to get back underneath the flow of God's love for those of you that have walked away maybe you've 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 never found yourself in that place of surrender I want to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus to let him touch change and heal your life to forgive you to wash you to cleanse you some of you need that right now Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we all have gone our own way It says that the wages of us going our own way is death. But the gift of God is life. And he wants to give you life today. The way you receive it, friends, you just turn to him. You repent. It means just you're walking one direction and you're choosing now. Instead of walking from God into the world, you're going to walk away from the world into God right now in this moment. If that's you, let me just lead you in a word of prayer. Come on, you tell God this. You say, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. And I know you've got more for me. And so today, I choose to surrender my life to you. I thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross on my behalf and giving your life in my place so that I can be forgiven. God, would you forgive me today? And I thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the grave to lead me into life, would you fill me with your Spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask real quick. The Bible says there's a party going on in heaven right now, and I would love the opportunity to party right along with all those angels. So I'm going to ask if you prayed that prayer with me. You're saying yes to Jesus today. You're leaning in, and you'd let me know. I'm going to count to three, and on three, if you just throw your hand up in the air and let me know. I think it's important to let someone know. One, Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. Two, he gave his life so you can live. Here's your moment. Three, throw your hand up in the air. God bless you and you and you and you. God bless you in the back. God sees you. He loves you. He knows you. He's washing. He's forgiving. He's changing. He's cleansing. Come on, church. Let's celebrate with each and every one that made that decision.